death for me, man. But you know, there's no turning back now. This is what makes me. This is what I am, feel me? You can hate me now. QB. But I won't stop now. Cause I can't stop now. Brave heart. You can hate me now. Come on. But I won't stop now. Hate the money I see, clothes that I buy, ice that I wear, clothes that I try, close your eyes, picture me rolling, sickness, money falling, chicken, honeys that swollen, the riches not fit in ya, most critically acclaimed Pulitzer, prize winner, best storyteller, thug narrator, my sound grader, model data, big threat to a lot of you haters, commentators, ringside cry, watching my paper, almost a decade, quite impressive, most of the best is in the essence, but it's wrapped up, that I stand for, expanding more to the big screen, Bill Gates dreams, but it seems you'd rather see me in jail with state greens, want me off the scene fast, but good things last, like your favorite MC, still making some mean cast, first rapper to bring a platinum black back to the project, but you still wanna hate? Be my guest. I suggest. Money is power. I got millions of dollars on salary. Do it now. You can hate me now. I won't stop. But I won't stop now. Can't stop. Cause I can't stop now. You now. can hate me. You can hate me now. Do it I now. Hate you too. But I won't stop now. Come on. Come on. Now. Cause I can't stop now. Come on. You can hate me now. Do it now. Explosion is like on a delay. Almost like you supposed to hit that explosion? Yeah, let me do that. Boom. <laughs> okay, so uh good morning everybody. I hope I'm on mute here because I hear background. I was gonna make sure I'm on mute here. Hold on a second. Okay, so good morning, everybody. It's Tony Swimming. This is our 7 a.m. Uh, Mental Toughness Mindset Call. We do this call every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern. And on this particular call, we talk about mindset. We talk about mental toughness. We talk about life. We talk about success. We talk about failure. We talk about affirmations. We talk about books. We talk about a lot of things that go hand-in-hand in, hand in what you do on a daily basis. Um you know, whether it's your business, whether it's your your job, whether it's relationships. So we also take this conference call and we load it on 16 different podcast platforms. So if you're hearing it for the first time on some of the podcast platforms, understand that this is a conference call, not a podcast. Is this a conference call uh, that we load on podcast platforms so that people can go back and listen to the replay because repetition is key you must go back and listen to the replay to hear it over and over and over and that's how you learn it that's how you you know you take notes and that's how you go out and apply it and then you make it yours um just listening is cool but it's not gonna you know uh give you what the information you need because you're gonna forget that right away listening and taking notes that's also cool. That's you know good thing because uh, you can go back to your notebook and look through it. But if you listen, take notes, and then start applying, you can call people and you can say, "Man, you won't believe what I heard today." 
these are the five things I heard today. Boom, 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 boom. Now, then by you putting it out in the universe like that, now you can start applying it uh, in your life, and then that's when the information changes you. That's when you really, really get it. Um, and I know some people say, well, no, I got it, I got it. Not really. I mean, if you listen to the experts, the ones who study the brain, they know that we don't reta- we only retain about 10% of what we hear. So that means 90% go away right now. So, so by the end of this call today, 90% of stuff that you heard will be like poof. You'll hear 10%. You remember that, but the other 90% you'll be like, hmm, what did he say? Uh, well, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I heard him say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, anything you're not going to retain unless you hear it over and over. That's how you learn songs. That's how you learn, uh, uh, you know, gossip. <laughs> when you hear the tea, you want some tea? You want somebody to pour you a little tea? You need to hear that tea, you know, a few times, and then you really get it down pat. <laughs> then you tell your other friends, pull out a cup of coffee. I'm about to pour a little tea in there so you can hear. And you, and you give them that tea, and you go over and over and over. So if you want to learn anything, that's the process, folks. Listening is cool. And you, you know, you're there for that time period. You hear it like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, taking notes is cool. Cause I'd rather you do that. But then actually, uh, applying it or teaching it and, you know, calling somebody and say, man, listen to this stuff here. What do you think about it? Share it with somebody else. And then now, now we're getting it. And that's the, well, we put it on a podcast platform. So you can go to Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Breaker. Uh, 16 different platforms to get this information because I consider myself a teacher. Matter of fact, I had people tell me that when I didn't know what I really was. <laughs> when I was doing this kind of stuff for years and years and years, I just like it and I wanted to share it with people and I thought that I was a, a speaker. I thought I was a coach. I thought I was, a, and I had a couple pieces. Man, you're a teacher. Right. Eh, no, I ain't no teacher, you know, because I thought a teacher was, you know, somebody in, you know, elementary school or junior high school or college or high school that, you know, that, you know, those are teachers. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, but I had too many people say that. So I'm like, oh, I think I am a teacher. And so, you know, I admit it. I don't think I'm a businessman. I don't think I'm a, you know, whatever, a coach, a mentor and all that kind of stuff that people say I am. But, you know, I'm a teacher because I want you to get this stuff for real. You know, teachers, if you ever remember, think about some of the good teachers are the people that you really liked growing up as a kid. You know, you could think of one in your elementary school or your junior high or your high school or even in college. You know, I really liked, um, Doc, I mean, um, let me see, I'm thinking something. Mr. H. Jones, that was my seventh grade teacher, Mr. H. Jones. He taught us math. You know, Mr. H. Jones had a little, like a little, uh, hump in his back. You know, I don't know what you call that, but it was in his shoulders, like, so he used to have his, like, pimp walk. You know, he, and he would, <laughs> but he would tear you up with that little strap he had. <laughs> right in front of the room. You had to come up there and put that hand out. You know, you'd be pulling that hand back. <laughs> you tear that hand up. So I remember Mr. H. Jones, uh, 
what other teacher I had? I, I thought Mr. 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 Piggies. That's his name, Piggies. It was P-E-G-U-E-S, Mr. Piggies. And he called everybody in the class Brother Bone. Brother Bone. And if you fall asleep in the class, tap Brother Bone on the head right there and tell him to wake up. Brother Bone. <laughs> tap Brother Bone on the head. <laughs> but we used to go down in the hall room, you know, all after class, calling everybody Brother Bone. Mr. Piggies, he was good. Uh, let me take another one. And my favorite, um, my favorite teacher was, uh, what was her name? Miss, uh, I can see her glasses. And she always pulled me in front of the room because I was always being silly in the room. It was literature. I think her name was Miss, boy, what was her name? Miss Harris. I think it was Miss Harris. And, yeah, I, I realize now that I was her little teacher's pet, I guess, you know what I'm saying, because, you know, I act up a lot. I mean, I laughed a lot. She only kicked me out twice, but, you know, I'm always being silly, and then she'll tell me, Fleming, pull your chair up to the desk right next to mine, and then you look at everybody, you know, as if I was going to stop laughing, you know, which I did a little bit because I was right in front, but I love the way she taught on literature, and we – reading about Grendel and Grendel's mother and Beowulf and the way she told stories was just, you know, I love to hear. So there's some favorite teachers that I had. Uh, can't think of one. In co- oh, yeah, in college, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson was my guy because he got me through Geometry 2 or something like that, you know, because this one lady, one girl that was a cheerleader, and uh he moved her from around me because I could copy from her test. Her name was Cheryl Champion. Cheryl would, Cheryl would let me peek on that test paper all the time. And he made her move. And he said, young man, if you're going to learn this, I will tutor you. But you have to uh come to my class. I mean, you have to come to my tutor session three nights a week at 8 o'clock at 8.30. And Mr. Anderson, I had to walk through the plaza where everybody hang out at. I mean, everybody hangs out there and go to Mr. Anderson's class. I mean, uh, office at 830. He would tutor me for an hour. Now, this guy was a like a politician or two at the time. He was like a, what was a congressman or something? Uh, senator. He was a senator. But he still, you know, taught school and he gave me three hours a night. No, an hour a night for three days a week. And I passed his class and Mr. Anderson was my guy. Uh, but... You know, I had to walk through the whole party, everybody hanging out on campus just to get over to his class. So though, I could think of those four teachers that I could really uh, think of and I really understand now because they wanted me to get it. Just like I want you guys to get it. I'm not just, I'm not a professional speaker that wants to sound good. I want to get on here and, you know, if you fall down, if you look up, you can get up. If you, you know, I, I don't have any rhymes. I don't have any, well, you know, I do have some lyrics from some of my hip-hop songs, but I'm talking about actually rhymes when it comes to, to training. So, um, man, don't know why I went on that, but I guess somebody needs to hit it today. So replay number 712-432-1085, 712-432-1085. So this call will be a replay as uh, soon as I finish today, and you can listen to it tonight and tomorrow night, and then on Wednesday it comes down. 
and then another one goes up in replay, and then it goes to the podcast. So it's there, sitting there, and it's there forever. So you, if you need to get all the information, you can put Tony Fleming in on Google, put in uh, Mindset Podcast, or, or just text me for the podcast. I'll send it to you, and it'll be on your phone, and everything is there. All right? Woo, that was a lot. But I hope you got it. Put eight in the chat. Put eight in the chat if you have it. And I know some people sit around like, chat. But chat. Are we uh are we on uh Zoom or something? Are we uh we on no. Just put eight in the chat, folks. Alright, let's go. I grabbed the book this morning, went to the bookshelf, pulled it out, turned to one page, it was heavily highlighted. I don't know what we're about to read, but I'm about to read it. Alright? But I what I what I hate about it, this is one of those older books that got this small print. So I had to turn on extra light in here. I need to put light on my phone because you know as you get younger you need more light all right so here we go it says here of course many people are tired simply because they are not interested in anything people are not interested in anything nothing ever moves them deeply to some point nothing ever moves them deeply to some point it makes no difference what's going on and how things go their personal concerns are superior even to all crises in human history. Nothing makes any real difference to them except their own little worries, their own little desires, and their own little hates. They wear themselves out, stewing around about a lot of inconsequential things that amount to nothing. So they become tired. They even become sick. And the surest way not to become tired and so is, is to lose yourself into something in which you have a profound conviction. Now think about that. I want y'all to honestly think about it. Does your job give you a confound, confound conviction? Or is it anything that you do, uh, give you a confound conviction? I don't know, you know, whether you do something like a hobby, whether you do something, uh, part-time, like maybe our business that we're doing, uh, what convicts you? Think about it, because most people get up every day and they go to a job that they hate. And I'm not telling anybody not to go to a job because you need money to pay your bills. Uh, but you got to figure out how you're going to like it, you're going to have to figure out how you're going to love it, or you're going to have to figure out, in my opinion, something else. But then, but then you see people who go from job to job, Again, not criticizing the job, but not really having a conviction of it. Not really confound, you know, a confound conviction of it because you'll say that, people say that, yeah, I just love my job. You're saying it, but your actions doesn't say that. I mean, your actions doesn't prove that. You know, what do you have that you just really, really, man, I gotta do this. And, you know, he's saying most people don't. So, a famous statesman, who made seven speeches in one day was still boundless in energy. Why? Are you not tired after making seven speeches, I asked? Because he said, I believe absolutely in everything I said in those speeches. I am enthusiastic about my convictions. That's why I tell people, if you find something that you love, you never get tired of it. You can go all night. You can go all day. You always want to talk about it. You know, you'll, you'll find some people who say to you, um, 
man, Tony, when you gonna ever, you know, take off? When you gonna ever relax? When you gonna ever go? And if what I'm doing is my conviction, I'm relaxed. If I'm talking about this all the time, this is not making me tired. This is not draining me. This is not something that I hate to get up and do. Matter of fact, I get up and do this because today I'm working on three, four hours of sleep. I was up late last night, 2.33 in the morning, and I'm up again, and I'm talking about this. See, this is something that I'm madly convicted on, folks. You know what I'm saying? This is something that uh that I really am, you know, seriously convicted on. <laughs> if you're the moderator, mute your phone if you can because somebody is uh, on there, I guess, accidentally. Uh, just mute your phone or put your hand on the phone or something. Um, but I, I'm madly convicted of this. You know, and this is something that, you know, I could do on two hours of sleep, you know, because I want to talk about it. He says, that's the secret. He was on fire for something. He was pouring himself out. You never lose energy and vitality in, in so doing. You only lose energy when life becomes dull in your mind. When your mind gets bored and therefore tired, do, tired of doing nothing. You don't have to be tired. Get interested in something. Get absolutely enthralled in something. Throw yourself into it. Don't sit around moaning about things, reading the paper and saying, why don't they do something? The man who's out doing something isn't tired. See, if you're out doing something, you're not tired. You know, like, you know, I've told this before, how Dr. Dre, the uh, producer, music producer, said that, you know, you know, I, and I, I'm maybe misquoting this, uh, but he said something similar to this, that, you know, it was 10, 12, almost 15 years of him, you know, where he didn't miss a studio time. Every day he was in the studio. Every day he was in the studio for years. You know, every day. And so, you know, think about that. Somebody can say, well, you crazy. And no, it's just something that that person loves. And it gives them super energy. It gives them, you know, they can go, man. They can go all day and all night because it's something they love. You know, it's like. You know how when you first start meeting somebody and you semi what you call fall in love or you think you, you have to be able to talk to that person. You can go all day talking to them. You go back and forth talking to them. You don't, you don't feel tired of talking to them until later on <laughs> when you, you've been around them for so long and each one of y'all have accomplished a certain mission during that time. And then, you know, you know, now. There are situations where that never, ever happens, where people, you know, they got married at 20, still married at 80, still love each other, everything is great. Now, there are situations where that's not the case because, you know, that that love has changed. That love has changed, so you're not enthralled in that anymore. But, you know, you take, that's why you have musicians that still out here singing at 70 and 80 years old, not, not. You know, they kill hip-hop if you try to go that route. You know, if you try to go, you know, longer than 40 or 50, then, you know, you kind of go in a category where you're not looked at the same compared to a maybe rock star or a even an R&B singer, you know. But if that's what you love to do, um, it's something you're going to do anyway. You know, there's guys out here making albums, 
that we don't even know about because, you know, radio has decided they're not going to play it. You know, the Internet is not really, the younger kids are not, you know, hitting the numbers on it, so it's not really spreading anywhere. But, you know, you you hear them sometimes say, I just came out with a new album. you like, <laughs> really? I, I don't even know. I ain't heard you do it. And they've been doing it for years. You know, for years. And kept doing it. We was talking last night. I realized that uh, Shaka, Shaka Khan had 22 albums. 22 albums. And she had 10 number one songs. So she hasn't been what we call singing for a long time because that's something that she loved to do. So it says, why don't they do something? The man who is out here doing something isn't tired. You know, if you're not, you know, Outcast said that. You better get up, get out, and get something. He said, don't sit all, don't sit all your life trying to get high. Just get up and get out and get something. He says, if you're not getting into good causes, no wonder you're tired. You're dis, you're dis, in, in, uh, disintegrated. You're deteriorating. You're dying on the vine. The more you lose yourself into something bigger than yourself, the more energy you will have. You won't have time to think about yourself and get bogged down in emotional difficulties. To live with constant energy is important to get your emotional faults corrected. You will never have full energy until you do. The late Newt Rockney, one of the greatest football coaches this country has ever produced, said that a football player cannot have sufficient energy unless his emotions are under spiritual control. In fact, he went so far as to say that he would not have a man on his team who did not have the, a genuinely friendly feeling for every uh, fellow player. He says, I had to get the most energy out of a man, he said, and I and have discovered that it cannot be done if he hates another man. Wow. Think about that. If he hates, that's why, you know, well, you know, they get together for practice, like in the summertime together and they all stay together and they, you know, like, uh, in camp, you know, it's two to a room and you, you, you know, you got a roommate in camp and you become friends with that person and you, you know, you want to be out on the battlefield fighting for each other. See, if you hate a person and you don't like a person, that's a, that's a you know, you, you hear this sometimes like when a, when a player gets, you know, um, somebody does something to a player on the field, like hit him in the back or do something after the play, and then you see players get up and go after those guys because they have a friendship and a bond that says, okay, we, you know, we good. Now, when you don't see that, a lot of times they talk about that. They'll say, well, that team member, you must be some issues with them because, you know, when they got hit, nobody on their team moved. Nobody tried to help them. Nobody tried to attack the person back. So they mean, this means like they don't really, they're not bonded. And what New Rockney is saying that he wanted to make sure that everybody was bonded to get the most energy out of a man. He said, I have discovered that it cannot be done if he hates another man. Hate blocks his energy, and it isn't up is up to par until he eliminates it. Develops a friendly feeling. People who lack energy are disorganized to one degree or another by their deep fundamental emotional psychological conflicts. Sometimes the result of this disorganization are extreme, but healing is ever possible. So, let's think about what we do now as a group. You know, you want you know you want to see you want to be bonded together. You want to be 
Uh, now, I'm not saying you have to be in love with the person. I'm not saying that because I don't believe that um, we have you know, like true friendships in business. I think we have partnerships. We have uh, businessships. <laughs> we have commissionships, meaning that, you know, we get commissioned from each other as we do business or we have, you know, I don't think that uh, somebody you meet, you know, 30 years into your life or 40 years into your life and start in business with you and be around for a while doesn't really make them a friend. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody that I've met since I've been doing this over 25 years, since, since you know, the 90s, I met them in business. You know what I'm saying? And so we do have something in common there, meaning that we are, you know, we're in business together, so we work together. But that doesn't really mean that we are true friends because, you know, when one person leaves, you know, you don't, you realize then that, you know, a lot of your association was about that business. It wasn't anything else. I mean, we do, it, it, there are examples of having a real friend, and so you, you do have those, but those are few and far between. Now, that doesn't mean you hate the person. That don't mean because they're not around and you don't talk to them anymore. You know, I, I, it's a lot of people that have, that's not an organization, but I see them around. I'm going to speak to them. I'll talk to them if they call. If I call them, they might. But it's not like you're having the conversations every day that you have when you're business partners. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes people leave, you know, for different reasons, and they go do their own thing. And, and you don't talk to them a lot, but that doesn't mean that um, you hate them. But that also doesn't mean that that was a true friendship. It could be a business uh, ship, I guess, or a commission ship. All right, so I got one more thing I want to read that that was heavily highlighted, if I find it right quick, and then we'll go from there. All right, so let's see here. Um, all right, so all right, let me make sure I'm reading this right. Miss, Mrs. Thomas, um, Mrs. Thomas A. Edison, with whom I often discuss the habits, not Mr., Talking about Mrs. So you probably saying, who it was talking to Mrs. Edison? What old dude was that? Well, the book that I'm reading from <laughs> is called The Power of Positive Thinking by Mr. Norman Vincent Peale. So this book has been out for years and years and years. It's the greatest, well, at that time it says the greatest inspirational bestseller of our time. You know, and it could be still. I don't know. Um, but, she says he was Miss. He was with. I mean, Mrs. Thomas A. Edison, with whom I often discussed the habits and characteristics of her famous husband, the world's greatest inventive wizard, told me that it was Mr. Edison's custom to come into the house from his laboratory after many hours of labor and lie down on his old couch. She said he would he would fall asleep as naturally as a child in perfect relaxation sinking into a deep and untroubled slumber. After three or four um, or sometimes five hours, he would become instantly wide awake, completely refreshed and eager to return to his work. See, look, I said I had four hours last night. I'm up and at it and eagerly returning to this information. He said, Mr. Edison, in answer to my request that 
she analyzed her husband's ability to rest in a manner so natural and complete. Said he was a nature's man. <laughs> the nature boy. By which she meant that he was completely in harmony with nature and with God in him. There were no obsessions, no disorganizations, no conflicts, no mental quirks, no emotional instability. He worked until he needed to sleep. Then he slept soundly and arose and returned to his work. Now, see, that's somebody who loved what they did, that, that they would do. So that's somebody who was deep into it. That's somebody who just, you know, it's, it's just, it's a love of it. Um, it's, it's just, you know what? And it's hard for some people to grasp this part of the, of this part of, because you'll say, well, nobody loves stuff like that and nobody loves, you know, um, what they do like that, but there are some people like that. Uh, no conflicts with mental quirks, no emotional instability. He worked until he needed to sleep. Then he slept sound in a rose and returned, you know, to his work. And he lived for many years and was in many respects the most creative mind to ever appear on the American continent. He drew his energy from emotional self-mastery, the ability to re relax completely. His amazingly harmonious relationship with the universe caused nature to reveal to him uh, in inscrutable secrets. It's inscrutable secrets. Every great personality I've ever known, and I have known many, who has demonstrated the capacity for uh, prodigious, and I'm saying that wrong, work, I'm going to come back to it, <laughs> has been a, a person in tune with the infinite. Every such person, which is in tune with God, every such person seems in harmony with nature in contact with the divine energy. They have not necessarily been pissed about it, but in, invariably they have been ex extraordinarily well organized from an emotional and psychological point of view. It is fear, resentment, the projection of parental thoughts upon people when they are children, inner conflicts and obsessions that throw off balance. They finally equated nature thus causing undue ex expenditure and natural force. All right, so here's the last sentence, the last small paragraph. The longer I live, the more I'm convinced that neither age nor circumstance needs to deprive us from energy and vitality. We are at last awaking to the close relationships between religion and health. We're beginning to comprehend a basic truth, here and though neglected, that our physical, con physical condition is determined very largely by emotional condition. And our emotional life is profoundly regulated by, guess what? Guess what? Our thought life. Which brings us back to why I talk about this stuff. Your thoughts are so important, man. Your thoughts uh, create your action, and your action change your life. You know, what are your thoughts? What are you, what are you thinking about? What are you, you know, I listened to, uh, LaVonda had a, uh, had a uh, live that she did on her page, and it was, you know, it was talking about belief and what where your beliefs come from and your thoughts and things of that sort. And you know, I started thinking about some of my beliefs and some of my you know actions came from my thoughts. And where did my thoughts come from? From the people that I was around, the environment that I was in, the things that I things that I started believing came from my thoughts. And and thoughts were instilled with me from the environment that I was in. You know, the only thing that I heard <clears throat> besides from television 
was what my parents said, what my, uh, you know, schoolmates said, what my pastor said, what my, um, relatives said. And those thoughts created my life because I heard them over and over and over. So, you know, I always say change your thoughts, which would change your actions, change your actions, which change your life. So everything falls back to your thoughts. That's what Mr. Norman Vincent Peale said. And guess what? A lot of us don't realize where our thoughts came from. We really don't realize that at an early age, the things that we heard on a daily basis, you know, growing up in a poor neighborhood or middle class, has it actually uh, has us living on automatic. So what do you mean by that? Well, everything that we do now, a lot of stuff we do on automatic. We don't even realize that we think. And our actions come from, you know, our thoughts that we've heard years back. That's why we can reject something so fast without even thinking about it. You know, we don't even, if somebody come with you with, to a real, with a real truth, a real truth that you hadn't heard before, but if you really sat still and thought about it, you'd be like, yeah, that is true. But you kick it right back automatically because you're living automatic. You're living on the thoughts that you've heard all your life. And so, you you kick that back. Somebody could come to you with something that's so profound, and if you literally sat and thought about it, you'd be like, man, you know what? That is true, what you just said. What I've been thinking for years is not really the truth. You know, I, But you see people do that all the time. It's like the, the truth is right in front of us, but we're so automatic that that's why. All right, here's a good example to relate to what we do. <clears throat> That's why when we go out and we talk about our business to people, a lot of folks going to kick it back automatically. I did a game plan last night, and I, that's the thing I emphasized, that you're going to get much more no's than you will get yeses because what you're talking about is something that has not been programmed in the individual. So they're going to kick it back. You're talking about health and wellness products that you're marketing? They're going to kick it back. Even if you mention marketing, they're going to kick it back. If you mention sales, they're going to kick it back. If you think, because growing up, all we heard was doctor, lawyer, school chief, I mean, school teacher, Indian chief, police. You know, those are the things that we were taught to, to believe we can have. If you come to a person now with something like what we do in market, it's a rejection. It's going to be kicked back because in their programming, they didn't hear that growing up. In your neighborhood, you didn't hear. And then when you did, you saw Frank down the street who didn't do nothing. You know, Frank tried, tried, you know, some stuff and never did anything. And so now you're thinking either that stuff is not right or Frank. Frank didn't have any success. You see what I'm saying? So that's why we have those. That's why you have to be willing to go through numbers and understand that. Because we're bringing something totally different. Our thoughts are totally different now than where it used to be, but your people that you're talking to, they don't have any new thoughts. They still have the old thoughts. They hadn't picked up a book since, um, shoot, since Jimmy Carter was in office. If they read one then. You know what I'm saying? And if they read one then, it might not even be thought-provoking for them. To, so that's why you can't really get mad at your friends, because they can only give you what they know. Man, I said a mouthful today. No, no. Norman Vincent Peale said a mouthful today. I just read from the book uh, with Norman Vincent Peale. So, man, I hope you got it. Go back and listen to the replay, folks.
Go back and listen to the replay. So, so if somebody on the moderator, and if you're on there, if you want to share something today, I don't know who's on here, but if you do want to share a few thoughts, please feel free to do it. Let's see. <laughs> so somebody just texted me and said, that's Lewis on the line. Lewis, are you there, man? That's you. Uh, Is that you on the line? <laughs> say what? Oh, that's you on the line? Mr. Fleming? Yeah. Oh, you can hear me? <laughs> hey, yeah, you yeah, know, I, I told you. Paul. I ain't yeah. muted. No, you're not muted because you're on the moderator line. Remember, I gave you the other line to listen in to, so you. <laughs> oh, I just, oh, my fault. It was early. I just dialed it down. My bad. Okay. No. Hey. Since we got you on here, man, and you listen the whole time, now you got to come off the speaker. I think you're on speakerphone because you sound like you're in a okay. hold a little okay. bit. Now, we're not uh, going to count this. We're not going to count this as one of your visits. Remember, I said twice a month, so you. You you all here now, so we're gonna just you know <laughs> see what's going on with you, man. First of all, and did you um, what do you think about what I just read? Oh, uh, well, as far as once you find your purpose, your purpose is gonna keep you up late and wake you up early. I mean, it's gonna be a fire, like that, like the prophet says, a fire shot up in your bones, and. When you talking about Edison, now I know you was talking about when you read the uh, pill. When you talking about with Edison, though, yeah. Edison was like amazing. His mental fortitude and resolve to just go forward because, like they said, this engine can't be done. I was thinking about that the other day. Like they told him this is impossible. This has never been done before. He's like, yes, it is. To have that type of vision and stick with it, even when after they they made the engine, got the cars running. I mean, with that type of mental attitude with Edison before all those types of people with the candescent light, these are things that have never been done before. These are all inventions that people say couldn't be done. So when you get that type of mind, that's like amazing. That's like, for me, that's like, that's genius. Like when you can see something nobody else can see and you just stick with it, that right there, that's purpose. Mm-hmm. Because that's really your purpose. It, it got to be bigger than you. It got to be something, a vision so big, can't nobody see it but you. Did you read any of his other books than The Power of Positive Thinking that you can think of by Norman Vincent Peale? What up? Can you think of any other books you read of his? No, I ain't real, I ain't very, very well versed on Norman Vincent Peale. I've okay. heard about him. I know that uh, uh-huh. that was Les Brown's like mentor or whatever, but I ain't, uh-huh. uh, I ain't well versed on him. Okay. 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 Well, oh, my fault. Right. This whole time you've been saying this in the background, I ain't even realizing it's me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I knew it was somebody because I kept muting the line. I'm like, I still hear the background noise. And you were just listening in. Remember, I, I text you at one time a while back another number. That's the one you can dial in on and you don't have to worry about it. I, I think yeah, that's look, in my text. I, I took the one off the notebook. Yeah, look at your text, though. So, but since you're here, man, let us know how you're doing. I hadn't talked to you since the last time we was on here. You know, what, what new? Oh, yeah, everything cool. Everything's progressing. So I got my license. 
okay. the main thing I got coming up, I got a, a Zoom call on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna address the uh, kinship care population for the state of Ohio. So that's the main population that Boots of Blues uh, serves is kinship care, which is basically just what kids need to be taken in instead of going through the actual foster care system, the family just take them in. It's called kinship care. So like 200,000 families in the state of Ohio that's in kinship care, either aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, grandparents taking care of children due to the parents being either dead, in prison, mentally ill, you know, uh, addiction or whatnot, that they can uh, function in the, in the role of a parent. So, so uh, what's, what's, big, what's big to you about that? Because I'm sure that's part of your builder's program instead of just dealing with people who were adopted. You know, the kinship care, do, do those people have to be approved or they can just step in and say, hey, I'm his grandmother and I'm going to take this guy and I'm going to raise him. Do they have to be approved by a board or something? Or, I mean, how does that work? No, basically just to, to be found fit by the uh, the children's services. Um, it's not as official. Even though they are getting more organized and getting more funding um, in Ohio, but uh, the reason why that population is so special is crime usually directly causes that to happen, causes a child to be uh, forced into kinship care. Because if I'm a drug dealer and I'm selling your mother drugs and that's the reason she can't take care of you, crime has affected your fa- your family. You know, uh, if your father or whatnot has decided to turn to a life of crime and that's why he ain't in your life, that's crime directly affecting kinship care. Uh, so if through violence or whatnot, I've taken your parents' life, that is crime directly affecting this child having to be raised by, you know, uh, his family members versus his uh, birth parents. So crime directly affects that population of children, so that's why I chose that. Uh, oh, the other thing is I didn't, I didn't mess up Facebook. So I got on Facebook. I was trying to work the Facebook. I guess I sent the flyer out to people, and I guess I wasn't supposed to do that. And I guess they thought I was a robot or something. They shut me down, took my Facebook page, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. You in Facebook jail already? You got to risk Facebook jail in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so, they me, so for anybody that was on Facebook, I did not unfriend you. I got some nasty text. Why did you unfriend me? Why are you acting funny? I just like this. <laughs> so when I sent the flyer out like 15 minutes later, they, they kicked me off Facebook. <laughs> so, I got to figure that send, out. How did you... How did you send the flyer out? I, what I did was I went to Books for Bruises and I shared it. And, and like a whole list, of everybody came up. And I just hit send on all of them. I said, oh, this is convenient. I, so I guess I wasn't supposed to do that. So I guess I've, I've learned that lesson. Don't do that on Facebook. Okay. So, yeah, they sent me that. give you a time that you're going to come back up or something? Did they say? Well, they told me, they told me I got to put my email in and send them a picture ID. I thought it was some type of scam at first. I'm like, who asked for a picture ID on, right. you know, to sign up or something? But I guess that's what they do. So I've been okay. trying to do that since last night all the way to early this morning. 
they won't let me get past the email page. So I guess I'm just going to make a whole other page. Just okay. change my name from just make another page. But uh, yeah, I learned that lesson. You don't don't send a whole bunch of stuff out. So right, right. But you know that's interesting what you was talking about kinship care. Let me ask you a couple of more things about that too, because I like to know how that really works. So let's say I have a child and I'm you know I'm doing something illegal and the cops come and arrest me and say my child is 10 years old, all right? And it's just mm-hmm. me and the child. Uh, when the cops arrest me and I go and so the child, what happens to the 10-year-old at that time? Do they take the 10-year-old somewhere else or does the, the grandparent step up right then and say, look, I'm going to keep him? And then, I mean, how does the, you know, maybe mm-hmm. somebody in their family even find out? Because they might not, I might not have a close family. How do they even right. find well, out that the person is? Well, usually they'll ask for, you know, the police will ask for a next to kid. You know, say that you got a mother or aunt, somebody can get the child. And what you hope is that they will come get the child temporarily until the situation be worked out. But you have uh organizations, matter of fact, uh Blessed House in, out here, well, in Elyria, uh, Mr. Barry. They do emergency kinship care. So literally, two of the morning, something go down. The kid ain't got nowhere to go. Sister Mary takes the kid in, uh, through Blessed House, uh, short-term care. Uh, that's somebody we partnered with, you know, and, uh, been working with. Uh, that's out, like, a Lear, Lorraine, Ohio. It's her and mm-hmm. another, I don't know what the name of the other house is. It's one of them, it's something house too, like Hope House or something. I think it's in, I might be wrong, I think it's in Dayton. They're the only two people in the state that do that emergency care like that. That's, uh, that's what they do. So, uh, it's situations set up for that. Uh, okay. So now, when they take that child in, so it's their job to reach out to one of their family members to let them know I have this child here that's, you know, that was your cousin's daughter or son, I mean, son or something, and you know, do you want to take this person in? I mean, because think about this. What if they call a parent or, a grand, I mean, call a grandparent or a cousin or something who is not really living right themselves? And then they might say, yeah, I'll take them in. Do they vet those people? Yes, I do believe they have a case manager. That, that the child will probably get a, a case manager, like social worker, uh, that would be, they would be on a caseload, uh, and they would try to find a family member that, you know, suitable. Either uncle or sister or cousin, um, that would be suitable to, you know, care for the child. Um, I know the system ain't perfect, but, uh, serious mechanisms in place to try to vet the people to make sure they get somebody that's gonna be beneficial to the child's well-being. Um, does, does the child at a certain age have a choice to say, because, I mean, I'm sure, you know, there are some situations where abuse has been, you know, because the child might think, I don't want to go with my aunt because she's already abusing me. Why would I want to, do they have a choice to say, no, I don't want to do that? Uh, that I don't know. That I don't, I'm sure if they were to report some type of abuse or neglect that it would be investigated. Now, how deep, you know, the caseload is large and all that, I don't know how that would go, but I'm sure they have some kind of way of saying, you know, I don't like it here. Uh, the sad part is, you know, we many alternatives. You know, ain't many family members signing up to take care of those kids just out of the blue. So, uh. Really? 
Yeah, I'll be. So a lot of them just sit at this place, what you're talking about, for a while until somebody or do they come get adopted or they if they don't, if nobody comes to take care of them, no family member comes to take care of them, then what's the next move? They have to go to the foster care system. And the foster care system is completely overloaded uh, with children that don't have enough, uh, you know, oversight, don't have enough places to live, not have, not have enough mentors, and uh, it's a sad situation. But, uh, you know, the kids care population, they do a very, very, very thorough job. Uh, they're very organized with Ohio. Um, the president, Dr. Ali Jones out of Akron, Ohio, uh, partnered with me. Matter of fact, I got a chance to meet her face to face, um, when I met her, um, last week. And, uh, so, were you talking to her on the phone while you were in prison? Yeah. Yeah. I've known her for a few years now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause she's also involved with, re- with uh, reentry. She's the president of reentry coalition in, uh, Southern County okay. also. So this is under the umbrella of Books for Bruises. This is a like a uh, another thing that you do under that umbrella of Books for Bruises. Well, this is actually I'm I have been given the month of November by the Kinship the Ohio Grandparent Kinship Coalition. So last November I did the Zoom call and had uh the professors from the Boston Child Study Center and Robin Hill did it since I was in prison. So this year. I'm going to be able to be there to introduce myself and to introduce Jason Williams. Jason Williams is a, a brother that wrote a book. That's why I hooked, I hooked up with him. He wrote a book to teach kids code, um, named after his children, The Amazing Adventures of Amir and Amina, Amina and Amir. I might be saying them wrong, but uh, that's a book that I use in the bag. It's to uh, introduce kids to the basics of code, and they got to figure out how to get to this birthday party. I thought that was cool. Because kids need to know about technology, uh, not just how to use a smartphone or whatnot. That's not knowing about technology, uh, but no understanding how the thing works. So, uh, so that's going to be the future. That's that's here. That's what's going on. Um, so he was actually in kinship care, which I didn't know when I was in school, but he grew up with his grandparents taking care of due to, you know, uh, some situations. So he's going to tell this story and introduce himself. He's going to be like my guest speaker. But no, yeah, they giving books of bruises the month of November. They have these Zoom calls periodically. I think it's like every quarter or so, every few months. So, and, so uh, what is the Zoom? Uh, Wednesday at one, one or two. This days. Wednesday coming up. Yep. You want to give us the information? Can anybody get on? Or is it just certain people? Yeah, anybody can get on. You get the flyer is on uh, books of bruises on the uh, Facebook page. Okay, books uh, for bruises Facebook page. Okay, the flyer's on there. Okay. Um, All right. I will try to, you know, I ain't great with this technology right now. I will try to send you a live flyer because I, I found out that all flyers ain't live. Some of them dead. So if you take, click on them to get to the link. So I'm gonna, I will make sure I get you a live flyer so that you can okay. uh, circulate that. Share it. Uh, okay. Yeah. All yeah, right. Cool here, man. Look, have you set up your your the fundraiser thing yet where they can donate? You know what? You got a cash app, right? Yeah, I do have cash app. Okay, out. so give us the cash app. Look, folks, if y'all want to give him $2, $3, $5, $10, $15, whatever, to his cash app to help out with this program, do it, man. Just, you know, it don't have to be a lot. 
Uh, well, Louis probably saying, yes, it does. Send me a lot. But no, I'm not saying, you know, uh, just sending something think, to help. It takes one right. thing to make the first million. I pick pennies up. Everybody's going to be smiling, too. That's like what happened. But anyway, that's <laughs> up. That's, that's a different story. So, you pick up the uh, pennies. I know that's right. So give everybody your cash app. Just uh, dollar sign Louis R.F. Lewis, like L O U I S or L E W I S? L O U I S. And then what else? Lewis, capital letter R, capital letter F. I don't know if Cash App is cap sensitive, but I think it's capital L O U I S, capital R, capital F. So L O U I S R S. R F. F is in Frank. Okay. The dollar sign in front. Yep. Dollar sign and everything else is capital L O U I S R S. Well, I don't know if the O U I S is capital. You okay, know, I didn't so throw stuff up. I'm still figuring this stuff out, but I know the L is capital <laughs> R, capital S. I got you. Okay, so it's dollar sign capital L, yeah. then small letters O U I S, and then capital R S. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if y'all feel like donating a dollar to uh to uh to help Lewis with with his project that he's working on, do that, folks. You know, it ain't mandatory, but just in case you you know you want to do that to help out, because I mean, you probably got a lot of things you plan on doing, uh, but you know, you kind of yeah. I'm looking at a room full of books and bags and stuff now, and so I got them uh, the body washes you donated. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna put some stuff together for up here. Um. So yeah, okay. Always, always use materials. The official well, donation page is coming. I just I gotta. It's been a paperwork thing. I'm figuring it out. So, okay, I got you. <laughs> I got you. Hey, <laughs> hey, man, you doing well so far to be you know away for twenty some years and come out and and uh, get your phone and you know your Facebook page and all that stuff. That's doing well, man. So have you? Have you gotten a job or anything start working yet? Well, that's another thing. I got hired at Macy's. So at where? I, at Macy's department store. I don't. Y'all got Macy's oh, really? down there. Y'all have Macy's down there. Yeah. So yeah. So the week of my birthday, my birthday was November second. So that Sunday, my little brother and sister and stepmother came up to see me and took me to uh, where they throw the eggs at you and stuff. The Chinese, the Japanese restaurant, whatever. They cook uh-huh. the food at the table and throw the fire everywhere and all that. So anyway, the mall is right up the street from there. So when I left, I was like, dang, I ain't got no watch. I need a watch. Went to look for a watch at Macy's. This so happened, I run into the head of HR. They was so short, she had to fill in on a Sunday. And we talked, and I was like, you hired? I was like, yes, yeah, so I'm going to put my application in. So I'm going to look for your name. So I thought about it, and I said, well, I think I talk better than my record look on paper. So I went back up there and talked to her face-to-face, told her my story. I'm going to fight for you. I got hired. I was supposed to wow. start Wow, wait a minute, wait a minute. You stumbled across HR person just walking around Macy's? No, at the watch counter, at the, at the jewelry counter, because she was filling in for the ladies. They, they were switching as we was coming on, letting the lady go take a lunch break. That's how short staff they were. She had to fill in for the lady because she was, she talked about, I don't know where stuff at. I don't know where, if I got the right key. And so we started talking and she turned out to be the head of HR for Macy's. That, that department. So I got the job. She hired me everything. I went through all the protocols. I got wait, the wait, 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 wait. You told her that you had been in prison for 
Twenty some years. Absolutely, I wore my thermos. Yeah, I tell everybody the ugly right up front because that was the old me. That ain't me no more. Yeah, I could tell them, you know, how I felt, changed my thoughts and changed my life. So, uh, I was supposed to start Thursday, this past Thursday. I was on the schedule. So I get a call from Human Resources in Cincinnati. I guess where they headquarters is in Ohio. So now you're doing a deeper background check into me. So I told him my story, you know, saw myself and sent him some paperwork, sent him some pictures, sent him some rec- the records. I sent him everything. Basically put another, it was like a whole another parole board here. Sent the whole parole board package down there. So I'm waiting mm-hmm. on him now. I'm going to call him day at three. Lord willing, you know, everything go how it's supposed to go. I can start working. So. Wow, what are you what are you gonna be doing? Sales. Oh man, it's gonna, gonna start me in the men's department. Well, you gotta get some gear, right? You gonna they gonna <laughs> gotta get you a few, you know, few shirts and jackets, right? Yeah, they say I can't do my Air Max and jeans because I love Air Max and jeans. <laughs> so they say yeah, I can't do that. So, <laughs> do Air Max. but imagine how many people you gonna meet, man. Just being because you so personal, but I mean, think, that's a, think, well, watch this. You're going to wind up getting another job because you might meet somebody there that will say, hey, we'll do something else. Or somebody that maybe even let you speak on their program or something like that. Yeah. And I look at it as an opportunity to perfect my craft. And because like I said, ever since Dave Ramsey told me, if you know how to sell, you'll never be broke. Salesmanship became important to me. So, um, with that, and then I want to see how retail works, how the clothing works, how, you know, mm-hmm. how you get on the shelves, the inner workings of how, how everything works. So, um, yeah, so wow. Lord, I'm just trusting the Lord. It's going to, whatever it's going to be, it's, I'm on the path. So. Well, obviously the Lord sent you up there because you wouldn't, and, and, and I mean, what's the chance that an HR person be working behind the counter while you in there? Never did. She said, I've never, she said, she's never done that before in her life. Wow. She's never worked behind the counter, and that was the time that you came in. Never worked at the point, never done that in her life. Yep. Outlier situation. Uh, opportunity. And so life always is an opportunity. <laughs> well, yeah. I know when you started talking about your stuff, she probably was just like, wow. Yeah, so. Yeah, man, I'm just saying, cool, topic, but I figured they was going to tell me no. They could have told me no last week. So, that's because right. they're doing their due diligence or whatnot. So, so, that's better than being locked down in a warehouse, right? But even the warehouse would have been good, but now you're just out. So, you, you'll you be meeting people. Yeah. So, I am anticipating, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting on the clock to begin mm-hmm. with. Uh, start getting income coming in, so that's um. But I don't want to keep babbling. This your car. This your. This ain't like me. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we always good to hear from you, man. When you on here, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not counting this as your two visits a month now. So we gonna no. We see, I, got, I was I was actually waiting. I was waiting until I actually got my EIN paperwork. I've been waiting on. So okay. that should come this week. Okay. So. Well, yeah, once we gonna, I get that, that Hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Once I get that, I actually kick off. I can open up the uh, business account and actually uh, books of booze name. So. Okay. Yeah. But we got I mean, a lot of, of these recordings we we hadn't even done yet. We're going to need you because we got to finish part two of the interview because we only stopped in the middle of that one. We hadn't done part one. 
and then we got seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, man, we did a lot of interviews, man. We talked a lot. You remember? <laughs> I think it is seven and yeah, seven, eight, and nine. I think all those you were kind of explaining the books for bruises and how you came up with that idea and how, uh, you know, you start doing it from prison instead of waiting till you got out. Uh, how many gatherings? I'm going to let you go with this. We're going to end it up. We'll wrap it up. How many books for bruises events were done while you were in prison? Um, three actual events. We served families at a public and then we had uh, numerous, I think about four people, we donated books to organizations that serve the children, actual kinship, uh, care facilities. Um, and I got some bookshelves. That's where I got to crank these. I got a, I got these bookshelves I had made on the inside. Put the bruises bookshelves. That's going to be a push I'm going to do and start donating bookshelves. Like I'm going to donate, uh, two of my sister Mary. She got a new facility. So, uh, yeah, I got some stuff coming out of the pipe. I'm going to wait, get this EIN paperwork and, uh, Get out of Facebook jail and um, it's going to crunch. So, <laughs> so, so but somebody just texted me and said, do you have a number what you tr- you trying to raise now? Like is any a certain amount of money that you're trying to raise for any or you just, you know, anything or help? Yeah, everything because I ain't no, it's perpetual. So I ain't putting no cap on it. Right. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now you know you know I hear the kids call cap like lying. You know they say no cap. Mm-hmm. That means no lie. So yeah, I know. Yeah, you want lingo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I put many parameters on the uh, dollar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, watch when you say cap. Yeah, what do you mean? No lying. Or so I got you. Mm-hmm. All right, man. We well, appreciate you dialing in, but check your text because I gave you two numbers. Oh yeah, my bad. Yeah. My bad. Okay. No, no, it's good. I think it was good that you were on here. I think it was good, but we're going to be talking sometime this week, and we'll figure out, you know, when we can go back through these calls, and then we can talk some more about that, all right? All right. All right, Mr. Okay. Good morning, everybody. I appreciate it, man. Have a great day.